the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. I thought that it would be appropriate to speak on the focus of Christ and the elimination of distraction. Lent is not really a practice that we promote here, but the heart behind it is good. We do not sacrifice for God. Let me say that again. We do not sacrifice for God. We honor the sacrifice he made for us. Having said that, I think you would agree with me when I say that American Christians have far too many distractions. Our lives are cluttered with things that demand equal footing with our devotion and our communion with Christ, if not individually, certainly collectively. And we as Christians have far too much junk that we allow to clutter our souls. As born-again believers, we were created for a singular focus something the enemy would like to steal from us and works at it all the time. We were created for intimacy with Christ. Yet, he frequently gets set aside as we make room for the junk of this world and make it a priority. A friend of mine told a story about observing an old man living by a river in a shack that was absolutely full of junk. Barely any room was left for him, so it's understandable that he spent his days outside the house, just sitting and protecting what was virtually worthless. What a blessing a flood would be for this fellow, since it might allow him to escape, but the junk would not. The junk would all be washed away downstream, though for him it would seem a tragedy, his life would begin anew, and hopefully, eventually, he would see that the value of his life was far greater than all the junk that he had surrounded himself with. You know, it's amazing how easily that stuff accumulates. Distractions, little things that require our attention. And even if they don't, they get up in your head and you think about them. And I recognize that it is the work of the enemy to pull me away from the focus of Christ. It's constant. It's ongoing. And if I hadn't thought of enough ways to distract myself, the world is constantly coming up with new ones. Thing is, this singular focus that we were created for is not something that we can create by our own determination or strength. This is what Christ will empower us 
to be singularly focused on him through his spirit. It's the same kind of commitment of faith that we make when we open his word. Because oftentimes we'll open the Bible and it won't seem like it's saying anything to us. But we determine to believe by faith that it is speaking to us. That it is ministering to our souls. That it is putting truth in us. Even though we may not feel it. I selected for our opening verse Philippians 3.7. Would you please stand for the reading of our verse? Philippians 3.7. Paul's writing, but whatever former things I had that might have been gains to me, I have come to consider as one combined loss for Christ's sake. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. We know that as Christians, we are not immune to life's floods. They often come unexpectedly and wash away the stuff that we value, things we might even consider as essential to our living. Now, God allows loss in our lives for his purposes, one of which is to cause us to reassess what we consider to be of of value, what we consider to be essential to us. Initially, we find ourselves devastated. We can only see the destruction and the loss of what was valued. Death, however, can be a prelude to life. And the removal of things that hinder and obstruct our focus on Jesus is a merciful deliverance. Remember, the evidence that Jesus presented to his disciples of his resurrection life were the marks of death. Every one of you bear the marks of death. And the resurrection life that pulled you from the grave, as it were, in each of those circumstances. Maybe it was the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was an illness that overcame you for a time. Maybe it was a financial thing. Maybe it was just rejection from the people you love. Whatever it was, you bore the marks of death and Christ resurrected you by virtue of his life. Because there's a strength within you that's greater than your circumstances. Because you've been made more than an overcomer, more than a conqueror. And while you don't feel that, and while that's not always ever present on your mind, it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change what God made you to be. Paul begins Philippians chapter 7 verse 3, which we just read, with the words, whatever things. He's not specific here about what he means because he means everything. All of it. Now let's define that word things. And I want you to listen to me. What we're talking about is everything that I hope in, trust in, rely upon, protect, or use to define myself other than Jesus. Whatever things that I hope in, trust in, rely upon, protect, or use to define myself other than Jesus. It's funny. You can have those things in your life that you kind of compartmentalize and protect. But the Spirit of God won't allow you to keep them. At least not in that state. And we come to that place of crisis where we realize that we're choosing between that thing that we're protecting and Him. That's not that He would leave us. 
but that we would forsake the awareness of his presence, the awareness of his sufficiency, the awareness of his overcoming power. And we would abandon ourselves to the frailty of the flesh, dependency upon what our soul can distract ourselves with. Everything that Paul had once valued before, before he came to know Christ, he now considers as garbage. Now, what did Paul prize before he had his encounter with Jesus? What was his, what was his prize? Well, it's in Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. He's very clear. He says, Though for myself I have at least grounds to rely on the flesh, if any other man considers that he has or seems to have any reason to rely on the flesh and his physical and outward advantages, I have still more. Circumcised when I was eight days old of the race of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew and the son of Hebrews, as to the observance of the law, I was of the party of the Pharisees. As to my zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And by the law, standard of righteousness, supposed justice, uprightness, and right standing with God was proven to be blameless, and no fault was found with me. Paul's standing was beyond the reproach of man before he met Christ. In the judgment of men and according to their law, he was considered blameless. Very few men could live to the standard that Paul lived as to as a Pharisee. He had what we often refer to as grade A flesh. And notice the word things is plural, not singular. In verse 7, listen, if Christ is not your life, your needs will always be plural. If he's not your life... Your needs will always be plural. We have only one need. It's Jesus. Only in him are we complete. Everything else, including this body, was designed to fall away. Without Christ as your life, your goals will give birth to goals, and your needs will give birth to needs. You ever found that to be true? Because here's the thing. The less aware we are of his life, his presence... His intimacy with us, his union, his working, his faithfulness to love us, his sufficiency in all things. The less we are aware of that, the more we see holes to plug. The more we see things that need to be nailed down. The more we need to rush in and be the Savior. Right? It just grows and grows and grows. The lost need life. The saved need to live by faith in the abundant life that we already have. Unless we define life as Jesus, we will always be seeking and never finding. I'll give you a simple truth that can be actually an indicator of where you are spiritually. A lost man and a carnal Christian have the same perspective of life. Life for them is either in the past or in the future, but never remains in the present. Jesus is the I am. That is ever-present life. I am could be simply defined as no additions. Is there anything in your life that if you lost today, it would take life from you? Is there? Notice that he is speaking in past tense concerning this thing. Going further in the verse, he says, things I had or were gained to me, 
meaning the things that he possessed or accomplishments that were accredited to his name, all in past tense, which tells you something's changed. You know you're in trouble if you're a Christian and your identity, your sense of self-worth, who you are, is still external. If things have not changed, you know you've got a problem. Now, Paul's not saying that he has forgotten or lost all these things, but that he has learned to view them differently. He looks at them differently. You know, as we were moving to this church, we had a lot of stuff that was we had temporarily stored in our garage. And so uh, we started moving things. And those of you who are married know that whenever you start moving things, the wife is going to start cleaning. We moved a lot of things. And as we moved those things, we realized that there were things in there that had lost value because they had no relevance to where we are now. Paul's standing before men. Paul's zeal for the law had lost all relevance to where Paul is now. To Paul, it is now rubbish. If Paul had lost those things before he met Jesus, how do you think it would have affected him? Well, (laughs) he would have believed that his life was over, right? Paul will no longer stand in these things. They are no longer considered his life. All that he counted his life before only brought forth death, judgment, and condemnation. Before he counted them as gain... Counted is actually a word that the Greeks use as an accounting term. So when a Greek wanted to communicate something to you that was absolute and unchangeable and sure, he would use an accounting term like 2 plus 2 equals 4, no matter what the new math says. Okay? He continues in verse 7. I have considered or have counted, which is phrased in such a way that would imply the indisputable calculation of arithmetic. He is saying, I'm not just making an offhanded statement. I have added it up. It has been revealed to me what is true. Now, here's the thing. That doesn't come by study. That comes by the Spirit's working in your life. He comes to you and gives you revelation, and you start seeing glimpses of things as they really are. You begin to see the bones that are laying about, the things that my wife would have swept up out of the garage. You see them all about you. And at that point, if you don't determine to allow that to be cleared from your life, you've just made it your life. Not a part of your life, but your life from your perspective. Paul counts it as one combined loss for Christ's sake. The figures don't lie. The whole of what Paul had considered gain in comparison to Jesus is loss. It's old junk. It was always worthless, though. It didn't just become worthless when Jesus came into the room. It was just revealed as being worthless when Jesus came into his life. It is all worthless. That is worth less than what we now have in our intimate relationship with Christ. It is all worth less than the life we have in Christ. Everything that we live to, cling to, hope in, apart from Christ, is to be regarded as lost, regardless of what it is. Because it is not life. Only Jesus is. Some of us need a flood. Because we've encumbered ourselves with all manner of junk. 
And we have a loving Savior who will willingly deliver us from the junk and restore us to the liberty of absolute dependence upon him. It's liberty, folks. Don't let the enemy tell you anything different. Absolute dependence upon him is liberty. And he wants you to know it. He wants you to know it so badly that he has, before the foundations of the earth were formed, construed a plan that would give you an ongoing revelation of his sufficiency, your dependency, and this world's failure to meet any of your needs. This is not something that God is going to wait for you to discover. He's going to continue to point it out to you. You're not going to get to heaven and say, you know, Lord, if I'd just known how sufficient you were. Because you know. He may strip you to clothe you. He may take you to a valley to move you to a mountain. He may give you a cross in order to give you a crown. But whatever we go through, we're not waiting to live life. Our life is in Jesus. He is our life. As a Pharisee, Paul once took pride in all that he knew about God. And what was the knowledge about God in Paul's hands? License to kill Christians. But Jesus took the instrument of death and brought forth life. Now, it's not what Paul knows about God, but Paul's life is about the God that Paul knows intimately through Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2. I love this verse. It'll lift a mountain of weight off your shoulders. Paul writes, For I resolve to know nothing, to be acquainted with nothing, to make a display of the knowledge of nothing, to be conscious of nothing among you except Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and him crucified. What should you know? What should you be acquainted with? What should you make a display of? What should you be conscious of? Jesus You can't add anything to that. We are being saved daily by Christ, not by knowledge. Knowledge has never delivered me. Maybe you'd say, well, that's because you're ignorant. No, (laughs) knowledge doesn't deliver anyone. It is not what you know about Jesus that saves you from the devastation of sin. It is faith in his saving life within you. 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the message of the cross is foolishness, absurd, and illogical to those who are perishing and spiritually dead because they reject it. But to those of us who are being saved by God's grace, it is the manifestation of the power of God. We live in an age where Christians know more about Jesus than in any other time, but so many of them have shallow and distant relationships with him. They come to meeting after meeting only to leave with a full notebook and an empty heart. They fill their, heart, their lives with junk and want God to bless it and protect it. They're afraid to let go of the junk. You know, when our kids were little, I used to have to work in the uh, nursery as part of the arrangement there. And I learned what I had been told is true. Do you know what you have to do to take something from a child's hand, a baby, little one? You have to give them something else, something better. This is what God did. He took the death grip that we had upon our flesh, and he gave us Christ. 
we hold to him, there's everything we need. What is the goal of your Christian life? To know about him or to know him? For Paul, the goal of life was the revelation of Christ in every moment. When Paul yielded his life to Christ, Jesus took the junk that Paul used to stand on and boast in, and he used it for a platform to demonstrate the grace of God, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. Paul's life was no longer about collecting junk, but about the revelation of Christ, who was Paul's life and is Paul's life. All of life for Paul preached and taught Jesus. Jesus taught the disciples in the Gospels how to live from his life. Jesus didn't teach the disciples to walk on the water. He gave them the revelation that he holds them up. Jesus didn't teach his disciples to multiply bread. He gave them the revelation that he was their provision. Jesus didn't teach the disciples how to heal the lame. He revealed that he was their healer. What are you seeking in the circumstances of your life? If it's not a revelation of the sufficiency of Christ, it's junk. Your response to life is a revelation about your focus. If you're living a life after the flesh, life for you will be the gathering and protecting of old junk that robs you of the liberty and freedom that Christ died to give you. Paul says, it is all loss for Christ's sake. He's weighing everything against the surpassing value of Christ alone. Jesus is enough. Jesus is life. Look at verse 8, Philippians 3, 8. Paul writes, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, and of progressively becoming more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything. And consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may win, gain, Christ the anointed. Look at your definition of the Christian life. Do you see it the way Paul does? If not, there's something wrong with your definition. Because we live this life by faith, our definitions must be founded in truth. Or we live by the world's definitions, right? If you define love by your emotions, if you define peace by your circumstances, if you define life by your body, you're living by worldly definitions, aren't you? If you're dying of thirst and I hand you a rock to suck on and tell you it's water, will believing it's water quench your thirst? Many Christians, if they were honest, would tell you that the Christian life just doesn't work for them, principally because they're wrongly defining it. The Christian life is Jesus. It's not just knowing about Jesus. It's not just forgiveness for heaven someday. It's an intimate relationship. Many Christians don't see the value in knowing Christ other than heaven someday because they've wrongly defined knowing. To know Christ is not to have an intellectual knowledge about him. 
Paul used the Greek verb that means to know experientially or personally. It speaks of an intimate knowledge based on union, like marriage. It is a moment-by-moment relationship. It is a passion that flows from the heart that is determined to know Jesus in everything that life brings our way. And here's the bottom line for Paul. For his sake, I have lost everything. And consider it all to be mere rubbish, refuse, dregs, in order that I may gain Christ, the anointed one. The Greek word there for rubbish can also be translated as manure or dung. You think that's plain enough? The things that he spent his life pursuing in the flesh now are refuse to him. What do you value? What is your definition of life? Is life bad for you because something didn't happen? Are you waiting for something to happen? In him, we find everything we looked for elsewhere in vain. In him, we find life. Life that we have looked for in the distractions and the junk of our lives. He wrapped his arms around us and calls us his own. Will you drop all the worthless things that you're holding And return his embrace? Or are you like the old man, guarding all the things that have robbed you of life? Guarding your comfort. Guarding your standing before men. Guarding your rights. Have you really come to know the surpassing greatness of Christ? It's not because he hasn't revealed it to you. It's not because he hasn't shown it to you over and over and over again. You live right now absolutely enveloped in His grace. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m., at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.